friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Serene Bug, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Penguin Young Readers Group, a global leader in children's publishing with amazing titles like The Last Kids on Earth series by Max Brailler, soon to be a show on Netflix as well. The latest book is a special interactive journal, The Last Kids on Earth Survival Guide, sure to keep young readers engaged for hours of extra fun. Help support our sponsors by purchasing Last Kids on Earth and other Penguin Young Readers titles at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Hi, reader. Welcome to Reading Bug Adventures. Are you ready for an all-new adventure this week? I sure am. Reading Bug Adventures is created, written, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned children's bookstore. You can learn all about us and shop for millions of books at thereadingbug.com. Or, if you'd like us to pick our favorite books for you and deliver them to your doorstep each month, visit readingbugbox.com. The books in each box are hand-picked by me and the rest of our staff and perfectly matched to each child's interests and reading level. And right now, you can sign up for our special three-month summer reading bug box at readingbugbox.com to inspire your reader through the summer months. Before we head off on our adventure today, I'd like to say a few thank yous. Reading Bug Adventures is mixed and mastered by Resonate Recordings and made possible by our sponsors and listeners like you. Hello and thank you to our newest patrons, Mallory and Hannah. If you'd like to find out how you can sponsor our hard work on this podcast, visit our page at patreon.com. Please be sure to rate our podcast and leave a review. Thanks so much for your support. Okay, reader, are you ready for another amazing adventure together? Then what are we waiting for? Let's fly! It's time for a reading bug adventure. It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Hello again, reader. It's so great to see you. I'm Lauren, and if we haven't met on one of our adventures before, it's really wonderful to meet you today. I hope you're excited and ready for today's adventure. I know I am. Although I really have no idea where we'll be adventuring together today. Oh, and look! Here comes the reading bug now with her book bag full of amazing books. Hi, reading bug. Oh, hello, Lauren. Hi, reader. I'm really eager to share today's adventure with you. Do you have any guesses where we might be going? Reading bug. Lauren. Reader! Oh, good. You're all here. I really need your help. Dr. Patel? Is that you? Yes. Yes. Of course it's me. Well, hello. What are you doing here? Reader, do you remember Dr. Patel from our incredible and scary dinosaur adventure? He's a paleontologist, a scientist that studies fossils. And he's a really good friend. Dr. Patel, what on earth are you doing here? 
Of course, we'd be happy to help you. But we're just about to set off on another adventure together. Can it wait? No, I'm sorry. This really can't wait. We need to go now. Go now? Dr. Patel, I'm afraid we didn't plan on traveling back in time to the age of the dinosaurs again today. We don't have the right supplies. And besides, the books in my book bag don't have anything to do with dinosaurs, pterodons, or any of the prehistoric creatures. No, no, no. I don't need your help traveling back in time again. As much as I love dinosaurs, I'm not even sure I'm ready to go toe-to-toe with the nasty T-Rex again. No, I need your help with something that's happening right now in Antarctica. Antarctica? That's... Yes, yes, Antarctica. But we have to move quickly. And the only way I know to get there is in your book bag, Reading Bug. Okay, just slow down a second, Dr. Patel. I'm not sure I understand. I've been doing some reading about Antarctica. And in Polar, a foticular book by Dan Kanan and Carol Kaufman, I read that the largest, in fact the only, land animal that lives there is an insect. A little bug that's no bigger than the size of a sharp point on the tip of a pencil. Why would a paleontologist that studies great big dinosaurs need to go to Antarctica? Reading bug, you're right, as usual. There are no large land animals living in Antarctica today, but millions and millions of years ago, Antarctica was part of a giant continent that scientists call Gondwana. Gondwana included parts of what is now Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, and Antarctica. About 200 million years ago, Gondwana began to break into different continents and islands. Antarctica split off and started drifting farther and farther south. The farther south it drifted, the colder it got. And so finally, all the trees and animals on Antarctica completely disappeared. I'm afraid I'm not following, Dr. Patel. What does all this have to do with paleontology? I'm getting there. No large land animals live in Antarctica now. But millions of years ago, lots of dinosaurs lived on Gondwana. And the fossils of the dinosaurs that once roamed Gondwana did not disappear. In fact... The ice that covers Antarctica protected the fossils, so they're in really good condition. And there's just been a new discovery. A team of scientists found the fossils of a duck-billed dinosaur known as a hadrosaur on a small island off the coast of Antarctica. Scientists have also found fossils of giant penguins that were almost six feet tall. That's taller than me! That lived over six million years ago. I need to get to Antarctica quickly to see these amazing discoveries and help with the excavation and preservation of the fossils. Can you help me? That does sound amazing, Dr. Patel. But I don't know. We had plans for an adventure together today. The Reading Bug, our reader friend, and I were really looking forward to traveling to wherever the books in the Reading Bug's magic book bag were going to take us. Wait just a second, Lauren. Before we make a decision on whether or not to help Dr. Patel get to Antarctica today... I think I should tell you the names of some of the books in my book bag, okay? Uh, sure, Reading Bug, if you think that will help us make a decision. Oh, yes. I think it will really help. Some of the books in my book bag today are Little Penguin Has the Hiccups by Tag Benley, Tacky the Penguin by Helen Lester, Penguin Problems by Jory John, and The Eve of the Emperor Penguin by Mary Pope Osborne. Books about about penguins? penguins? I've only ever seen penguins in the zoo. 
What a wonderful adventure to go visit penguins in their natural habitat. I'm sorry, Dr. Patel. Today's adventure sounds just too good to pass up. But... Wait, where do penguins live anyway? The North Pole? <laughs> nope. They don't live at the North Pole. Penguins are only found south of the equator. The equator? Yes. The equator is an imaginary line that is drawn around the middle of the Earth. The half of the Earth that is above the equator is the northern hemisphere, and the half that is below the equator is the southern hemisphere. The North Pole is at the very top of the northern hemisphere, and the South Pole is at the very bottom of the southern hemisphere, on the continent of... Antarctica! Antarctica? Really? You mean that we were already planning a trip to Antarctica for our adventure today? Yes, yes, yes! I was planning an Antarctic adventure all along! So, we can go on our adventure and help our friend Dr. Patel get to the fossil excavation site. See? Here are some of the other books I brought for our adventure. Arctic and the Antarctic by Anne Schreiber, Penguin Chick by Betty Tatham, and Survival Tales, Endurance in Antarctica by Katrina Charman. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get this adventure started. Just a second, Dr. Patel. Reader, Antarctica is one of the most desolate and dangerous places on Earth. Temperatures can be as low as minus 50 degrees. That's really, really cold. And dangerous snow and windstorms can surprise and overwhelm travelers. We're going to need to stay alert and be prepared for everything. That's right, Reading Bug. Why don't we all stretch out together to make sure we're ready for today's adventure? You too, Dr. Patel. That's it. Everybody stand up, unless you're buckled into your car, and wiggle your fingers and toes. Are you wiggling? Great. Now, stretch your arms up high over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, now we're ready to go. You were right, Reading Bug. That really helped. I feel great and ready for an adventure. Now, time to go? Almost, Dr. Patel. One more thing. Reader, did you remember to bring crayons and paper with you today so you can draw illustrations of all the spectacular things we encounter on our journey? Illustrators draw the pictures in the books we read, and just like them, you can draw pictures of what we see and do on our adventure today. You can draw anything you want, and your illustrations will help you retell our story to your friends and family when we return. We'll take a bit of time to listen to the music and draw illustrations at the end of the adventure, but you're welcome to stop and draw at any time. To give yourself time to color, just pause the podcast. Then press play again when you're ready to continue. I can't wait to see all the pictures you'll draw. If you didn't remember to bring crayons and paper, don't worry. Just press pause or have a grown-up do it for you and get them now. The reading bug and I will wait right here for you. Great! After our dinosaur adventure together, I remembered my crayons and paper today, especially the white and black crayons. White for all the snow, and black for the penguins that live all over Antarctica. Okay, is everybody ready? We're setting off today for an Antarctic adventure, where the temperatures are cold and there's dangerous weather. 
We'll all remain cautious and careful today as we visit the penguins at home where they play. Dr. Patel, reader, look. The reading bug is opening up her book bag and it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Big enough to fit us all inside. Incredible. Look inside. There are flashing lights and words and pictures swirling all around. Yes, those are from all the books about Antarctica and penguins that the reading bug brought with her in her magic book bag. I don't see many people, but I do see lots and lots of sea animals swirling by, like a gigantic elephant seal and a long, thin leopard seal. I see whales, giant glaciers, and icebreakers, ships designed to break through the thick ice. And I see awkward-looking albatrosses and other big flying birds. But most of all, I see penguins. Lots and lots of penguins in all sizes, big, medium, and small. They're all mostly black and white. But look, some of them have a thin black stripe under their chins, and some others have orange bills or a festive crest of yellow feathers on their heads. And they're all floating around in the icy ocean or the deep white snow. Okay, everyone, it's time to flap your bug wings. Let's fly! Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hops, three hops, and we're in! Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag? Our trusty book bag. What will we learn about today? Here we go! Look what's happening, reader! Say goodbye to our little town now. Everything is getting smaller and smaller as we soar higher and higher above the ground and way up above the clouds, just like an airplane. Look at the land and the ocean below us, reader. As we head further and further south, past the equator, and on towards the South Pole, everything is getting whiter and whiter. That must be all the ice and snow as the temperatures get lower and lower and lower. Hey, look! What's that up ahead? I didn't think anyone actually lived in Antarctica, but it sure does look like we're approaching a small town in the middle of all the white snow, doesn't it? Whatever that place is, it looks like it's where we're going to land. Everyone, hold on! I think we've landed. Oh, brr. We haven't even left the book bag yet, but I can feel that it's much, much colder here. Can't you? Hmm, we're not really dressed for cold weather, are we, reader? Let's all climb out of the book bag and see where we are. If it's too cold for us out there, we'll need to quickly hop back inside the book bag, okay? Okay. Where are we? I was expecting snow and wind and penguins, but it looks like we're inside. It sure does, but that's probably a good thing. Look out the window in front of us, reader. It looks really cold out there. There's snow everywhere and it's pretty dark out, but not yet night, almost like after dinner time at home. Look, I see two people walking by and they're both dressed in big red jackets and lots of warm clothes. And they're walking quickly, like they can't wait to get back inside again. Yes, it's definitely a good thing the book bag landed us inside. But where are we? Hmm, 
I'm not sure. Come over to the window and take a look. I think we've landed in the middle of a small town. There are other buildings around us, and to our right. I see a few cars, some big trucks with treads instead of tires, and a lot of snowmobiles. Over there to our left, I think I see a harbor with several unusual looking boats docked in the icy water. A dock, huh? I think I know where we are then. Yes! We must have landed in the McMurdo Station. It's the largest research station in Antarctica and the hub of the United States Antarctic Program. Even though the weather in Antarctica is harsh, about 250 hardy people, mostly scientists, live here during the winter. And in the summer, the population grows to over 1,200 people. And you're right, it is cold here, but probably not as cold as it could be. You see, this time of year, we're just heading into the winter months in Antarctica. But Dr. Patel, it's right before summer. Not in Antarctica, Lauren. The seasons north of the equator, where we live, are opposite of those down here in the southern hemisphere. So when it's summer at home, it's winter here in Antarctica? How strange. Why? It's because the Earth's axis of rotation is tilted. It takes one whole year for the Earth to rotate around the sun. For six months, the Earth is on one side of the sun, and the sun shines more on the northern hemisphere. Then, when the Earth is on the other side of the sun for the next six months, the sun shines more on the southern hemisphere. Wherever the sun is shining more, it's summertime. I see. So even though it's springtime at home in the northern hemisphere, it's the beginning of autumn here in Antarctica. That's right. And that's why your magic book bag was the only way I could get here. Airplanes can't fly to Antarctica between March and November because it gets so cold that the airplane fuel can freeze. The days are getting shorter and by June 21st, it will be nighttime for the following three months. In the summertime, the sun never sets in Antarctica. It's sunny all day and all night. But in the winter, the sun never rises. It's completely dark. Because it's still autumn right now, the days are very short, but there are still a few hours of sunlight each day. Uh-oh. Reader, Lauren, Dr. Patel, look. Two people are walking toward this building. I think we're about to be discovered here. Oh, my. You startled me. I didn't know anyone else was joining us on this expedition. Hey, wait. I don't recognize you. What are all you doing in here? Oh, hello. We're so sorry to startle you. My name is Lauren, and this is the reading bug and our reader friend. And this is our friend, Dr. Patel. Dr. Patel? Mark? Mark Patel, is that you? Yes. Jessica? I mean, Dr. Miller? I can't believe it. I haven't seen you in years. Well, I have been spending a lot of time at McMurdo with the penguins. Yes, yes, of course. Lauren, reader, reading bug, this is my good friend, Dr. Jessica Miller. Dr. Miller is a marine biologist, and she studies emperor penguins here in Antarctica. You do? How great! We're here on an adventure to see the penguins. How lucky are we to run into you? Maybe you can help point us in the right direction. I can do you one better if you're ready to go right now. I can take you to the penguins. I'm heading out to see them right now because I'm afraid there may be a problem. You see, 
During the month of March, emperor penguins migrate nearly 100 miles to reach this place called a rookery, where they lay and care for their eggs. Every year, the penguins need to take a different path to their rookery because the ice in Antarctica is constantly moving and changing and recently melting faster and faster. We've lost track of some of the penguins from a nearby colony, though. We don't know where they've gone, and I'm afraid they may be in danger. So I was just about to head out and look for them. Do you want to come? Of course we want to come with you. What a wonderful opportunity. And we'd be glad to help in any way possible. Great. Out in the cold and wind of Antarctica, especially when it's getting darker and darker, it's good to have a few buddies to help keep each other safe. But first things first, we need to get you dressed for this adventure. Your clothes simply won't keep you warm enough for the sub-freezing temperatures in the cold of Antarctica. You'll need a lot more clothing if you want to stay warm. Antarctica is much colder than any place you've ever visited. In fact, Antarctica is the coldest place on Earth, even in the summer. During the winter, a person who walks outside dressed in ordinary clothes like yours couldn't survive for more than 90 seconds. I read that Antarctica is not only the coldest place on Earth, it is also the windiest. And it is the driest place on Earth, too, because wind dries out the air. So even though Antarctica is covered in snow, it is actually a desert. Is that right? That is right, Bug. I guess you can see now why you'll need all these clothes. Okay, first, you need to put on this long underwear. It will cover your arms, legs, and body and help keep your body heat inside. Go ahead and slip the long underwear on now. You look pretty funny, Reader. Almost like you're wearing onesie pajamas. That's right, but it doesn't matter how funny you look, just that you're warm. Next, you'll need to step into these wind pants. They are specially made to protect your legs from the wind and snow. Great! Now, let's zip into this special red parka that all the scientists and visitors to Antarctica wear, just like mine. These super warm jackets help protect us from the elements and are easy to see against the white snow. Oh, that is warm. I sure am glad we found you, Dr. Miller. Okay, these last bits of clothing are probably the most important. First, slip into these warm thermal socks and then put on these special boots. We call them bunny boots. <laughs> bunny boots? Why do you call them bunny boots? Great question. It's because the boots are large, round, and white. So some people think they look like rabbit's feet. Because they are very warm and inexpensive, they are the most common boots in Antarctica. Go ahead, put them on. Perfect. Now we'll need to attach metal crampons to the bottom of the boots. Crampons have small metal spikes to keep you from slipping when you're walking on the ice. Wonderful. Put these knit caps on your head. They're nice warm ones that you can pull over your face if you need to keep your face warm. There are openings for your eyes so you can even pull the cap down to completely cover your face. And finally, put on these waterproof gloves to keep out the cold and the snow. This is a lot of clothing. But you do look like you'll stay warm. You're right, Reading Bug. There's nothing more important down here than staying warm. Okay, we're all dressed and ready to go help find the penguins, Dr. Miller. Are we going to walk? Oh no, we are much too far from the rookery to walk there. So Jonathan here is gonna take us to one of the station's land vehicles. Hi. Jonathan is an experienced ice driver, so we're in good hands. I'm afraid this is where I'll be leaving you, friends. 
I'm going to see if I can connect with the other paleontologist and make my way to the Hadrosaur excavation site. Dr. Miller, it was wonderful seeing you. Please take good care of my friends on their adventure today. And Reading Bug, Lauren, Reader, thank you for letting me hop into your book bag and join another adventure with you. Since we're about to head into the Antarctic winter, I may not see you all until the planes start flying again in the spring, and I can leave Antarctica. But I'm sure the excavation will keep me busy. Lauren, Reader, Reading Bug, thanks for the ride, and say hello to all the penguins for me. Goodbye, Dr. Patel. I'm glad we could help. Have a great stay in Antarctica. Goodbye, Mark. Stay safe. Okay, everyone, follow me to the Hagland. Right this way. Hagland? That's a funny name. It's a pretty funny looking vehicle, too. The Hagland is bright yellow and looks a little bit like a tractor. But instead of regular wheels, there's a continuous band of metal track plates wrapped around what looks a little bit like flattened regular wheels. It also looks a little bit like a train because there's a second vehicle attached to the first one. The Hagland was designed specifically for use in extreme climates like those in Antarctica. Tracked vehicles like the Hagland have greater mobility over the rough terrain than regular vehicles with rubber tires. The tracks smooth out the bumps, glide over small obstacles, and can even cross breaks in the ice. Unlike rubber tires, these continuous tracks can't be punctured or torn, and they are much less likely to get stuck in the mud or snow. Good! We really wouldn't want to get stuck in the snow in this freezing weather, would we? Dr. Miller, why does the Hagland have two separate cars? The first car is the engine. That's where the driver sits. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. You can reach me on the radio if you need me. The second car provides additional space for riders like us and for our supplies. Let's climb into the second car together and be on our way. I want to start looking for the lost penguins as quickly as possible. Weather here can turn on a dime. Great. Take your seats, buckle up, and we'll be on our way. Jonathan, we're ready to go. Roger that. This Hagland is a pretty noisy vehicle, but the ride is remarkably smooth, isn't it, Reader? Even though we're traveling over ice and snow, it feels more like we're riding in a boat with gentle swells underneath us. It is a pretty smooth ride, but it'll get a bit bumpier as we get out into the open ice. Right now, we're still passing through McMurdo Station, which is built on volcanic rock on Ross Island. It's the closest solid ground to the South Pole that you can reach by ship. That's important because everything needed for living at McMurdo needs to be shipped in on cargo ships or airplanes. Even water has to be shipped in. That's right. Even though there is ice everywhere, there is no liquid fresh water at the South Pole. Yes, I read that millions of tons of supplies are brought to Antarctica every year and millions of tons of garbage are brought back to the U.S. to be disposed of. Exactly. That's why we have a harbor. Can you see it over there? There are several icebreaker ships docked there and a busy airport nearby. Even though we're on an island at McMurdo Station, we can get to the Antarctic mainland by crossing over the frozen ocean like we're doing now. Keep looking out the window for the lost emperor penguins as we drive. I'm hoping we'll be able to spot them pretty quickly. I read that there are 17 different types of penguins, and six of these live in and around Antarctica. But we're only looking for emperor penguins. How will we know the difference? Great question, Reading Bug. Emperor penguins are probably the best known penguins. They're also the largest penguins in the world. 
An emperor penguin is about four feet tall and weighs between 70 and 80 pounds. That's about the size of a second or third grader. Although penguins weigh a little bit more than kids because they store extra fat to survive the cold weather. Sadly, the emperor penguin population in Antarctica is getting smaller and smaller. It's possible that someday these amazing birds may become extinct. Oh no! What's making the emperor penguin population grow smaller and smaller, Dr. Miller? Well, since the 1950s, that's almost 70 years ago, Antarctica has been getting warmer and warmer. That means that there's less ice for the emperor penguins to nest on. Emperor penguins are also threatened by commercial fisheries, which reduce their food supply, and by human disturbances at their rookeries. So researchers like me are very careful not to interfere with the penguins and their habitat, even as we study them. I read that penguins in Antarctica aren't afraid of people because there are laws that protect penguins from being hunted by people. Right again, reading bug. In fact, we have to be careful not to get too close to the penguins because if we do, they are likely to rush up to get a better look at us. It's illegal for people to touch the penguins, so when we see them, we'll need to stay a reasonable distance away so that they don't try to make friends with us. Hey, look up ahead. Are those emperor penguins over there? Or are they another kind of penguin? They look a little bit too small and a little too gray to be emperor penguins. I think they are emperor penguins, reading bug. Young ones. It's a small group, about 20 of them. And you can see that some of their feathers are silvery gray color. Those are the soft down feathers that baby emperor penguins are born with. The gray feathers are only showing up in the patches because the young chicks are molting. Molting is when the gray baby feathers on their bodies are replaced with new black and white adult feathers. So those penguins are not babies, but they're still quite young. It looks like they're all alone, Dr. Miller. Is that normal? A small group of young penguins all alone like that? No, it's not normal at all, Lauren. Migrating penguins usually travel in groups of thousands, so something must be wrong for the children to be all alone like that. Jonathan, stop here. We're gonna hop out and see what's going on. Roger. Stay safe, everyone. Okay, everyone, remember, it's cold and dangerous out there, so let's all stay close together and walk slowly toward the penguins. We want to be able to see if anything is wrong, but we don't want to get too close. Maybe if we climb just to the top of the hill on our left, we can get a better look. Ready? Okay, everybody out. Wow, it's really cold out here. I'm going to stay cozy in the fold of your knit cap, Lauren. Ah, that's much better. You're right, reading bug. It is cold out here, even with all these warm clothes on. Reader, let's warm ourselves up with a little exercise. Join me and let's warm ourselves up just like a chilly penguin might. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground, whee! Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Okay, once more, everybody, faster this time. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground, whee! Oh, much better. I'm feeling warmer already. Great, 
Let's keep it that way. Remember, the weather here can change quickly. And we also don't want to stand still in any one place for too long, or we might start feeling the effects of the extreme weather. Keep on moving, everyone. Up the hill with me. Wow, it's pretty slippery climbing up this icy hill, isn't it, Reader? I don't think we could do this if we didn't have the spikes on our bottoms of our bunny boots. What were they called again? Crampons? That's right. You made it. Great work. And look, this is a much better view of the penguins. Just like we thought, there's a small group of young emperor penguins huddled closely together at the bottom of that large steep hill. But look, at the top of the hill are many, many more penguins. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of them, looking down at the small group below. You're right, Reading Bug. That's a lot of penguins. I see an enormous huddle of white and black with little splashes of orange scattered throughout, shining like tiny bits of gold. Emperor penguins have black backs, white bellies, and orange markings behind their eyes and at the top of their white chests. The orange markings are what look like gold dust in that crowd, and there could easily be thousands of penguins on the hill. Researchers have counted 40 different emperor penguin rookeries in Antarctica. Most of them are on solid sea ice, and the size of each of the rookeries can range from as small as 200 penguins to as large as 100,000 penguins. But why is that small group not joining the others? Is there something wrong? Yes, something is definitely wrong. Listen, can you hear the penguins above calling to the young penguins below? And look, the small group of penguins at the bottom are huddled closely together. I think they are trying to protect themselves from the bitter cold. Lauren, reader, Dr. Miller, I think I know what the problem is. Remember what you said a little while ago about climbing up this hill? Sure that we wouldn't have been able to climb it without the crampons. Exactly. Those penguins don't have any crampons on their feet, do they? And that hill is easily twice as steep as the one we just climbed. So you think they can't get up the hill to join the rest of their colony? Exactly. They must have slipped into that steep ravine or have been pushed down there by the wind. But you're right, Reading Bug. I don't think they can climb out. And the rest of the penguins don't want to leave them behind. But why don't they just fly up the hill? They're birds, after all. They have wings. Not all birds can fly, Lauren. And penguins definitely can't fly. But they do have other unique and important skills. In Proud Penguin by Jamie Purnell, I read about a macaroni penguin who wanted to fly until he realized that other kinds of birds may be able to fly, but they can't swim in the sea like he can. If they can't fly, then how are they going to get up the hill? Reader, is there anything we can do to help? I see penguin families waddling close to the sea. Mama and Papa and baby makes three. Penguins can't fly high up in the air, but they soar like eagles in the water down there. Little penguin calls to the birds up high. I can't fly like you up in the sky, but I'm happy, so happy, you see. I am the very best me I can be. Penguins use their wings to swim Like sharks and minnows both use their fins They glide like birds so quiet and still As they fill their tummies with fish and krill Little penguin calls to the birds up high I can't fly like you up in the sky But I'm happy, so happy you see I am the very best me I can be 
penguin chicks play on the ocean side. They hop and they tumble and they walk in straight lines. Baby chicks on their bellies slip into the sea, sliding on ice so fast and free. Little penguin calls to the birds up high. I can't fly like you up in the sky, but I'm happy, so happy, you see. I am the very best me I can be. I am the very best me I can be. I am the very best me I can be. Reader, Reading Bug, Dr. Miller, we have to help them. Let's be the very best we can be and help them climb out. As scientists, we try to stay uninvolved in natural events, but... But they could die down there if they don't get out. They already look very, very cold, and I think the wind and snow are starting to pick up. You're right, Reading Bug. I think a storm is quickly approaching, and you're also right that we should help those poor penguins. But how? Remember, humans aren't allowed to touch them. Whatever we do, though, we're going to need to do it quickly. We do not want to be stuck in here if the weather gets any worse. Dr. Miller, do you copy? We have a storm approaching. I think you and your crew need to get back to the Hagland immediately. Lauren, Reading Bug, Reader, what do you want to do? Reader, it sounds like there's a dangerous storm approaching. And if the weather gets any colder, it could be really, really dangerous. But those poor little penguins need our help. They can't climb up out of the ravine to reach their parents. And unless we help them, they may never get out. If we hurry, I think we can beat the storm and help the babies. I think we have to try, don't you? Reader, can you help us figure out what to do next before it's too late? Great idea, Reading Bug. While we all think about what to do next, I'm going to pause our adventure right here. As part one of our Antarctic adventure closes out, I'll play music for you to color to. Think about the ways we might be able to save the baby penguins and get back to the Hagland before the storm arrives. Then, when you join us again for part two, you can see how things turn out. You can also draw illustrations from the rest of today's adventure. The penguin babies, the Hagland snow vehicle, or our bulky winter clothes, or the McMurdo station. Thanks for your help and creativity, reader. I just know you'll think of something because... When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane. Build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. In just a minute, I'll play some music for you while you color. Thanks for joining Dr. Patel, Dr. Miller, the reading bug, and me on today's adventure. I can't wait to see you next time when this exciting adventure resumes. In the meantime, if you want to read more books about Antarctica or the penguins and other animals that live here, you can visit thereadingbug.com adventures to get a complete list of all the books in the Reading Bug's book bag. The Reading Bug and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. It's a Reading Bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures was sponsored by Penguin Young Readers Group. 
and their series by Max Brailler, The Last Kids on Earth. Hi, Reading Bug. What are you writing? Oh, hi, Lauren. Have you read The Last Kids on Earth series? Yes. Who knew a zombie apocalypse could be so funny? Max Brailler is a very creative and funny author. Yes, and now there's this great interactive journal, The Last Kids on Earth Survival Guide. So I'm working my way through it right now. How fun. What can you do? Well, right now, I'm drawing my own invention in Quint's workshop. Then I'll design a kids-only hangout that will rival Jack's treehouse, create dream post-apocalyptic warrior outfits, and weapons that will give the Louisville Slicer a run for its money, and so much more. Sounds like the perfect creative outlet for every Last Kids fan. You'll be busy for a long time, Reading Bug. I sure will. You can buy The Last Kids on Earth Survival Guide and all the books in this series by Max Brailler at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Thank you to Penguin Young Readers Group for sponsoring today's episode. And thank you for joining our adventure today. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me and Chloe Savage and by Shannon Shern and Aaron Nafak. Original music was written by me, Diane Savage, and Ross Gruet. Sound mixing and mastery was done by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is a family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription box service at readingbugbox.com. And please support passion, expertise, and creativity in children's literature by continuing to shop with us or other local independent booksellers. Thank you. Goodbye.
Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.